0: The following programming is sponsored by the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. The views expressed do not necessarily reflect the views of this station, its management, or Beasley Media Group.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Positively Pro-Life, a podcast brought to you by the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation positively pro-life brings you inspirational stories important legislative updates and informative interviews as we restore and strengthen a culture of life i'm bonnie finnerty education director at the federation and i am joined by my distinguished colleague maria gallagher our legislative director
0: hello maria hello bonnie it's great to be with you
1: today always great to be with you and I am so excited about today's guest because his story has the power to not just inform, but to transform hearts, just as his own was transformed. Today, Dr. John Buchalski is a pro-life OBGYN committed to caring for all women, regardless of their beliefs, background, or financial situation. But there was a time early in his residency when Dr. Buchalski performed abortions. He will share his profound conversion experience with us, as well as the incredibly beautiful work he is doing today to support mothers and their babies. In addition, Maria will discuss how young people are making a difference in the pro-life movement on the legislative front. But let's start with a bit of pro-life inspiration. Now, many times on this podcast, we've talked about the nearly 3,000 pregnancy resource centers and maternity homes across the country that provide emotional and material support and more to pregnant women, children, and families. There are approximately 156 of these centers operating just in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. But what if there's not one in your community? That's the case in Scranton, Pennsylvania, my hometown. When I was growing up, There were a few pregnancy uh, support services available, but they didn't have a pregnancy resource center per se. We also didn't have an abortion center. Today, however, abortion is not limited to cities with a planned parenthood. Abortion pills can be accessed easily online. Safety protocols have been lifted. A simple telemedicine appointment could put dangerous drugs in the hands of a vulnerable young woman Ending her child's life and endangering hers and causing trauma that can last a lifetime. A group of people in Scranton recognize the need to offer life affirming alternatives to mothers and their children. They are currently planning and fundraising to bring a pregnancy resource center and maternity home to North Scranton. The group is exploring properties to purchase for the Providence Pregnancy Center. According to their new website, they plan to serve women facing an unexpected pregnancy by offering free pregnancy testing, peer counseling, material assistance, community referrals, and more. Their hope is to also secure an ultrasound machine that can not only date a pregnancy, but also help a woman or a couple to see the humanity of their child in utero. Studies show that 80% of women who see their ultrasound choose life. Well, they don't while they don't have a physical building quite yet. Providence Pregnancy Center can still offer help right now according to their website. A volunteer is able to meet with women facing unexpected pregnancies to do a needs assessment and provide support. All help is 100% confidential. Now that we've entered the post-Roe era, it's critically important that the pro-life movement continue to make sure women are supported in their pregnancies with authentic and tangible help that will not only protect life, but empower them to parent and thrive. We need to broaden our efforts so that in every family, every neighborhood, every church, and every community, a young woman never feels alone during a vulnerable time, but that she knows exactly where she can turn for help. Thank you to those individuals who are helping Scranton to have such a place. It's hard work, but so worth it. We appreciate your efforts and salute your dedication to offering life-affirming options. You are an inspiration. Now, if any of our listeners feel moved to help this group realize their vision, please go to their website, ProvidencePregnancyCenter.org, or find them on Facebook. May all of us in the pro-life movement do what we can to support this and other pregnancy resource centers.
0: Maria. Bonnie, thank you so much for that inspirational update. Now let's turn to our legislative update. Life in the U.S. changed forever on June 24, 2022, when the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. Gone was the ruling that had shackled states for nearly a half century from freely making policies protecting preborn children and their mothers from harm. But in some states, such as the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, a pro-abortion governor is blocking pro-life legislation from being enacted into law. And yet, even in this politically hostile environment, young people are enthusiastically embracing the pro-life cause, not simply as a hobby, but as a vocation. Take for instance, Jessie, a former intern with the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. Jessie, a recent college graduate, would like to spend her days actively advocating for the cause of life. She is passionate about helping pregnant women and their babies and is eager to make as her mission, working to save lives and change hearts. Then there is Lauren, a recent National Right to Life Academy graduate. She would like to pursue a law degree, which would prepare her for working to enact pro-life legislation. With the tools she learned at the Academy, she is in a terrific position to launch her pro-life advocacy work. These two young women are among the members of the post-road generation, who are on fire for life. They know firsthand the decimation that legal abortion has caused. They recognize the fact that so many young people are not here today because their lives were snuffed out in their mother's wombs. These bold and brave women also see the harm that abortion has caused other women. They know that countless women have been left to grieve children lost to abortion and they want the cycle of violence to end. With young leaders such as Jesse and Lauren at the helm, the pro life movement is indeed in good hands. Bonnie.
1: They are great young women, Maria. Such a pleasure to know. Thank you so much for that. Well, I am delighted to introduce today's guest. Dr. John Bruchalski earned his medical degree from the University of South Alabama College of Medicine in 1987. He completed his OBGYN residency at Eastern Virginia Medical Center and the Jones Institute for Reproductive Medicine in Norfolk, Virginia, in 1991. He received board certification in 1993. During his residency, Dr. Bruchowski performed abortions out of a desire to help women, but realized abortion was not achieving the freedom, health, and happiness they sought. Dr. Bruchalski returned to the Catholic faith and felt God's call to start a medical specialty practice that truly helped women. In 1994, Dr. Prochalski founded Tepeyac in Fairfax, Virginia, committed to serving all women, regardless of their beliefs, background, or financial situation. In 2000, he founded Divine Mercy Care that raises funds to cover the cost of prenatal care for approximately 30% of TepiX pregnant patients who are in financial need. We are honored to have Dr. Bruchowski join us today. Welcome. Hey,
2: Bonnie. Hi, Maria. Glad Hi. to be with you.
1: Well, we're so happy you can be here. Can you explain more fully how it was that you came to perform abortions and what influenced you to do that?
2: Sure. Um, And it's wonderful to uh, come to another one of the four states that we call commonwealths in the country. Um, I am this uh, poster child for hope and uh, mercy. Um, I grew up in a great family. And through my education uh, by teachers and professors through high school, college, and medical school, um, it was very obvious that. Uh, providing abortion was the proper way of caring for women, to bring them health and wholeness. And growing up in a good Polish family in New Jersey, uh, we could smell the cheesesteaks from across the river and all that stuff. Uh, I just want you to know that, you know, we, ne- we weren't supposed to be ideologues. You couldn't just believe something, say something my family was taught to do something. That's how Poland has survived throughout the millennia. And so I, as I drifted away from my parents and the church, and I kind of embraced what the science thought they were teaching me and the professors, my mentors. Oh, well, I always had a knack for listening to women. And the women that I heard at the time in the 70s and 80s, Johnny, you're so good at PMS. You're so good at listening to me. I really have to have this abortion because I don't have another choice. Okay. I'll learn to provide it. And it was in that dynamic of trying to care to the best. (laughs) You know, I didn't want to be one of those people that says, oh, I, you know, I don't believe in it, but I really want you to have that capability. Go somewhere else. That's you're hiding behind another mask. We're just we're playing games there. If I wanted you to have it, I wanted to give it to you, provide it. And it was during my first two years of residency at the Eastern Virginia School of Medicine, the home of the Jones Institute, the first test tube baby, the first IVF center in the United States. I learned not only how to provide abortions in every trimester. But I also provided many other opportunities for contraceptives and all these other issues. And so, on the abortion issue, I went from first trimester easy abortions where the tissue just comes out. But as you get bigger and the bones get stronger, as we all know, you got to count body parts once that baby gets to about eight to 10 weeks after it's conceived. You got to count body parts. And then as it gets a little bit older, closer to four months, you have to dismember limbs to exsanguinate the child in order to make it easier for you to remove the contents. And then when you know that you're hearing in Pennsylvania at CHOP, they're doing fetal surgery, I'm sticking a heavy duty scissor in the back of a skull of a child in the womb that I flipped because I'm really good at this. I pulled it out by its feet. I poked the hole in, sucked out the brains, collapsed the skull and pulled it out. So, what I'm trying to tell you is I'm the poster child. I can't throw stones at anyone. I believed in a woman's right to choose at any time for any reason, abortion on demand. I didn't think about the politics. So the medical data was just piling in now, you know, all of a sudden we began to have studies about, could there be a connection with pre- breast cancer, with mental illness, with preterm labor? And oh, by the way, we're now making pills that are actually abortifacient, like mifepristone. And all of a sudden, everything's now cloudy and the medical data and my experience. So when it was my experience, I was dismembering children in the wombs of their mother because I thought it was good medicine and I was practicing in a healing profession, the medical milieu under me was beginning to change. And if it was so good, why don't more doctors do abortions? Like if it was really good, why aren't there abortion clinics on every corner? Well, all of a sudden that then became an opportunity where a young NICU doctor, Dr. Debbie Plum, I was having cognitive dissonance. In one room, I was saving a child. In the other room, I was not. And I aborted that child. And that woman, after I delivered it, because I blew it off because the mother didn't want it, so I didn't do a good history. She was further along. The baby was heavier than I wanted. I had to call her because it was over 500 grams, which is about a pound and a quarter. And she had to come in and resuscitate it. She walked in and says, Why are you treating my patient, the unborn child, like a freaking tumor, Bruchowski? <laughs> and I was like, What? And it was that cognitive dissonance, Bonnie. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. all these issues were coming up. She invited me to uh, to change my heart on this issue. You're better than this. Oh, by the way, I just got back from this, you know, magical place in Yugoslavia. My mother said the same thing. And then Even though it's by the grace of God that I'm here, and on that hill in Mexico City and in Yugoslavia, I had a change of heart. Yeah, tell us about that.
1: Yeah, tell us about those places you went and your conversion. It's fascinating.
2: Well, I, I just want you to know that everyone out there is just like me. I kept my mouth shut. I just wanted to do good work, and I wanted to be liked by people. And I really thought that medicine supported abortion. Well, no, it's not. It's a political idea that came up probably in the 1920s and 30s by the founder of Planned Parenthood. You just make the, the good people, the healthy people have babies and the poor don't. Well, all of a sudden you you end up in places that you don't want to be. And so while the medical foundation was there, the grace of Christ came into my life. Because at this point, I was a nothing. I didn't believe So uh, between medical school and, so I'm 62, uh, somewhere between medical school and residency, I went to help a friend in Mexico, and he happened to take me to this Basilica of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And for Catholics, it's this place where Our Lady, the Mother of God, appeared to this kind of young Mexican, not Mexican, he um, he was a Aztec guy then. And, uh, he engaged, she engaged him. Do not fear any illness, vexation, anxiety, or pain. Am I not your mother? Didn't I give you Jesus? Aren't you in the folds of my mantle? Like, dude, trust me, go to the bishop and say, he needs to change this culture. They're murdering men, women, and children by the thousands every day. Well, in, you know, early on in those years, I think 1531, I'll be darned if, uh, This miracle occurred with the roses and all. And within 10 years, that culture was changed. So pass that up. I heard a voice. Why are you hurting me? I blew it off. Come on, man. That That was a myth that I heard as a child. My parents were Catholic, and they dedicated me to our Lord and our Lady, both the sacred and immaculate hearts. They always taught me that Jesus was the power of grace, and Mary was just the best witness of that. She was given everything by Jesus and she just lived it. Well, now fast forward two years, I'm in the middle of my residency. My mom invites me to Medjugorje in Yugoslavia and on the Hill, everything broke down. I came off the Hill different. I literally went to confession. Can you imagine after two decades of doing stuff that wasn't great? Yeah. And, uh, I went back to my evangelical church at the time because I was working at a pregnancy resource center at night and uh, they were so loving and caring, but the church that I was at didn't have a teaching. Like you just have to kind of work through scripture to find it. Some people said, yes, life's protected. Some people said not. Well, I ended up finding myself back at the Catholic church and that's what happened. That's literally, was it a primarily a religious experience well, no, it was a conglomeration of experience, the medical literature, and a witness of a person, a woman who basically said you're better than this and don't treat people like you. And then she says, you're treating two patients, Johnny. That's what OBGYN is. You always treat two patients and it doesn't depend on the wantedness of the child. you That's absurd that we treat a human person by a wantedness. I'm Polish. I know what they did to us in the chambers. My Jewish brothers and sisters, my gypsy brothers and sisters, my God, you don't ever treat human beings. And now I'm a doctor. So all of a sudden you come off the hills. She told you practice excellent medicine, see the underserved daily as best you can and follow the life giving biblical foundations of my son's church. Okay. That's it. That's like the, that's the secret sauce.
1: So, an amazing story. I I just went to um, Our Lady of Guadalupe in December. So, your your story is really resonating with me. Um so you come back and you start this Tepeyac Center and Divine Mercy Care. Can you um right. share why you founded that and what your mission is in doing? Well, that? yeah, because
2: what happens is is that I was working at a pregnancy center at so not only was there cognitive dissonance between <laughs> between the mothers treating or wanting their children differently. And I had to respond differently. I aborted one child, but I saved another, but I had a dissidence between the medical field and my pregnancy work. You were just talking about Scranton, the pregnancy center. I think you mentioned Providence pregnancy center folks help them help them. Now, Pregnancy centers are taking up the medical slack that we're slacking on. Medicine, most doctors who are pro-life, they're walking a fine line out there. They're part of a practice, but they can't quite do what they need to do. So they're trying to navigate. Well, when I joined, when I said I came off the hill, joined a great pro-life practice, but it didn't see the poor and it wasn't total. There was, you know, it was a challenge because everybody drew the line somewhere else. So I said, my wife kicked me in the butt and said, Johnny, that's not what was on your heart. You have something to do here. And we started Tepeyac OBGYN, our family center in our basement. We were holistic, integrated. We didn't think children were sexually transmitted diseases. We didn't treat your fertility like it was a mess or a disease. We wanted to cooperate with your body, listen to you. And so we opened up all our doors to all the pregnancy centers that said, send them to us. We'll try to take care of them because the reality is that you've got these great pregnancy centers that are on the rise. And when you send them to most doctor's offices, now, once again, there are many great doctor's offices, but a lot of the offices don't quite believe the same things you do. And then there's the dissonance between the medical field. So what we did over the last 28 to 30 years, we created a model that no one's really followed because it's too ridiculous. It's a hybrid model. We're not for profit. We partner with pregnancy centers. We partner even sometimes with abortion centers that say, "Hey, if that woman is if that woman can't go through with it, send them to us." Mother Teresa said bring Calcutta to Fairfax. Okay, and so you begin to raise money like an almshouse. You begin to, and that's where Divine Mercy Care came in. Now, tapiak has been around for 25, 28 years. There are many centers across the country that we know about now that are really searching for this. Many doctors and nurse practitioners want to do it. Well, Divine Mercy Care was trying to help cover the delta of the poor, but now we've been placed because of Dobbs right in the center of the conscience of the movement. We have the Christian Medical and Dental Society, we have the Catholic Medical Association, we have APLOG, we have all these wonderful political and medical entities, but now they're putting so much pressure on students not to go. Can you imagine a time, Bonnie, when there is nothing, there will be no pro-life doctors because they've been scared. What do you hear now? Oh, you're going to get sued if you do an ectopic. Oh, you're going to be sued. Heck, we've been doing this at the beginning, before Roe, during Roe, and after Roe. Oh, no, they're going to write legislation that's going to doom us. Come on. Everybody's risk averse. And so now Divine Mercy Care, which is what I'm now president of because I've had another illness in my life and I can't see patients anymore. We're now going out to medical schools and across the country with invites. We're right, we're writing for helping write for people. We want to create a worldview where optimism and hope reign, hope against hope. And do it at a time when we need it because Dobbs just took it. The federal decision, thank God, was gone, but it just put it back on the states. Pennsylvania and Virginia are pretty similar regarding what's in the legalities. Well, how do we now navigate it? Well, you got to double down on love. you got to double down on sacrifice. And that's what we do. We're encouraging people that if they're called into medicine, called, especially into pro-life OBGYN, and make this clear, the enemy does not want you there. ACOG, ABOC, they don't want you there. There's only one way to do things, and it's abortion on demand. Abortion is good medicine. The big lie, Bonnie? elective abortion is never good medicine. You can treat women and children. You can always focus on the mom because a good mom and a healthy mom and a healthy physiology and psychology is good for the baby. So you never pit mom against, you focus on mom, care for both patients, and you can treat all these complications in in a much different way.
0: We've got just a couple of minutes left, doctor. And I was wondering if you can tell us about your upcoming book.
2: Oh, sure. Um, it's actually a, convert. it's my conversion story because I wanted to provide, well, nothing in my life I think I did, meaning I didn't plan this. I didn't want to share with people this heart that changed this, you know, how the softening of the heart and these opening of the mind. Well- this book is a book about my change of heart. And if I could, if it could happen to me, I want to provide hope and opportunity and optimism for anyone who picks it up and either reads it to encourage themselves. I just want to be a witness for this idea that elective abortion is never good medicine. Children are never sexually transmitted diseases. Moms deserve better, women deserve better, and there's a way to do that. I've partnered with students for life, and I've been to, you know, 60 plus medical schools over the last several years. You know, all this, there's a way to do it scientifically. And so this book is called Two Patients, From Abortion to Life Affirming Medicine. I heard that you use that phrase life affirming, and I use it because it's exactly what the case is the destruction of a child in the womb of its mother an unborn child is never good medicine and so this book is about my change of heart and what's it what it kind of sets up is what it sets up is how do you navigate excellent medicine not only scientifically but collaborating and cooperating with all those pregnancy resource centers out there And so it's both and. And so whether you're, you know, Hindu or whether you're evangelical or Presbyterian, I've been in many, all these places, and I found unity more than I found diversity. As a Catholic, you know, this is about living your faith. For for all of us, it's about living the word of God in our heart. And so we want to, Divine Mercy Care um, hopefully is going to be a resource center for, a con- for that change of conscience, or a, ch- or a center of disagreement where we can talk about things, not polarized, but as part of a family.
0: <laughs> That's wonderful. And we're going to leave it right there. Dr. Burchalski. thank you so much for your incredible witness. We greatly appreciate it.
2: Oh, please. You're so welcome. And it's wonderful to be with you all.
0: Thank you. Positively Pro-Life is made possible through the generous support of the members of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation all across the Commonwealth. The Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation is the largest single issue pro-life organization in the Keystone State. Thanks for joining us. And remember, there's always a reason to choose life.